I'm drinking a beer. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I'm drinking a tall glass of water that is Winston Duke and fur on the cover of Esquire. Oh. Are you unfamiliar with these photographs? Okay. Oh, no. I know the photographs. Yeah. We're just jumping right in, everybody, to like... Wait. I have things... We have things, though. We have things we have to say. Oh. We're not ready for just like whack the wackiness of this week's episode. I mean, listen, and everybody's like, hang on, Sarah. Don't stop the discussion of Winston Duke and Fur. But I'm stopping it. <laughs> and not because I don't appreciate a nice... Beautiful man, man in a fur, purple fur coat. we're going to get to. First of all, welcome everyone to Fated Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And uh, we are here. We are here today with another wacky episode (laughs) of Fated Mates, where we talk about romance novels and how they remain unmatched. (laughs) Um, But first of all, we want to tell you that it's November, which means... We are coming up on our best of the year episode. And That's while right. we are giving no hints, none, or spoilers, zero, about what is going to be on the best of the year episode, we have, in fact, finally completed. <laughs> Although this morning, I literally texted Jen, <laughs> I think I changed my mind. And she texted back in all caps, you better call the bookstore. <laughs> you better call the bookstore. And that's what I'm getting at. Um... Because we are partnering with Pocket Books Shop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which you all know by because I have talked about how great it is and how much I love it there. Um, they have advertised on the podcast before. We're mixing it up. We're finding we just decided, like, it's time to try a new bookstore sure. and really spread the love around the Fate of Mates independent bookstores who love romance love around. So. Pocket Books is handling the ordering for the Faded Mates Best of the Year book box. And you can head to their website um, to, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go to fatedmates.com slash pocketbooks.net. Yes. <laughs> Don't go to fatedmates.com. <laughs> go to fatedmates.net slash pocketbooks. And that is going to send you over to the Pocket Bookshop page where you can pre-order the Best of the Year box. Now, what I will say is none of the books in the Best of the Year box have had deep dive episodes this year. So you are safe on that. Um, But I know some of you just buy those those boxes anyway because you like to split them up and give them as gifts to people. And sometimes you just sometimes you are excited and you want to support authors who are doing great work in romance, just like us. So here's a way for you to support authors who are doing great romance work for you to support a bookstore, a woman, a queer woman-owned, anti-racist, feminist bookstore in Pennsylvania. Um, And in general, have some great romance novels in your life. I will say they make excellent stocking stuffers. They are very good for Hanukkah. If you have like an... A romance reader on your one night of Hanukkah lists, you might want that. And pre-ordering will help them, I think, figure out how many boxes they think they'll ship. So the actual episode is going to air on in two weeks, on November 29th. And they are pretty sure that like they will essentially have books boxes ready to go that day. Once the episode drops so that they can definitely get there for Hanukkah and then like kind of rolling shipments to get them there instead for people who are celebrating Christmas. So. And if you celebrate neither, you've got an entire month to order them. But we're super excited. We know you guys love this episode every year. We love this episode every year because it gives us a chance to really look back on our reading for the year. And uh, we're super excited. So that's, again, fatedmates.net slash pocketbooks will take you directly to the Pocket Books page where you can pre-order. And thanks to Pocket Books for partnering with us this year. So exciting. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can say the book box will have seven. We'll have seven books. There's a re- There are seven books. Plus, you can also get, um, you can add on books by Friends of the Pod. Because, you know, every year we try, like, not to put our friends' books on the best of the year book list. So... Um, you'll see there's a list of books by friends that you can add. 
Um, and then you, I went to Pocket a month or so back and I signed a ton of books there. So you can add signed copies of most of my books uh, to your order as well. And then the, uh, the page is so cute. It has like tons of romance related stickers and an entire list of the Pocket Books staff's favorite books of the year. So it's a one-stop shop for romance lovers and we hope you love it. Exactly. So fun. Okay. And that now has completed the housekeeping portion of the day. Just as a quick reminder also to people out there who are looking to uh, do advertisements, we are now taking ads for 2024. How did that happen? But there are like a handful of ads available in December. So if you have a book coming out in December in the midst of holiday wildness... Um, we might, might have a spot. You might want to use FadedMates to get it out there. Contact Eric. It is advertising at FadedMates.net. So I think that's housekeeping. Right? Look at us. Look at us. Getting it done. Taking care of business. I'm even drinking while we do this. It's great. I should do this more often. Uh, but I felt like it was appropriate for me to drink today because I feel like that's really how we're going to deliver the best possible version of this podcast. Yes. Which we are... <laughs> referring to as men in fur <laughs> so there's a long-running list of topics so when people recommend topics to us on our discord when we just think of things when people and it's tweet like tweet or instagram us. yeah well i'll kind of be like oh that would be a fun topic and so this this meanwhile sometimes where i was like what are we going to record about like we have no idea or we don't have a list that's literally like like imagine like i don't know like that cartoon where like a whole roll yeah. like unrolls that's how long the list is but one of the funny things that we have had on the list for a really long time is men in fur, like warlords, basically barbarians. <laughs> Listen, I know it is terrible and I feel bad saying it, but like the word warlord is very sexy. I'm sorry. Jennifer. No, it's wrong. Jennifer. I just think of like, I'm sorry. I know what you think of. I know. Okay. But Winston Duke <laughs> wearing fur on the cover of Esquire. <laughs> And sitting on his throne in okay, Black wait. Panther. I have a, I have a syllabus for, not a syllabus. I have a, <laughs> a schedule for us. Like okay, an agenda. Start. Okay. Okay, because I do think that we have to discuss, like, the appeal <laughs> in the zeitgeist of men in fur, which is like Winston Duke in a purple fur. Um, but everybody I look also, down at your podcast app right now. And it's going to be that beautiful man. But also, I feel you. like you should probably go to show notes because I have some other people on my list who I'd like to discuss in first. So in show notes on the actual fadedmates.net website, we'll find a way to gallery all of these. And listen, I just want to say right now, like, I am so sorry. Like, if you're a vegan or if you are like love your pets or Doesn't whatever, have to be fur that kind of fur. I just really need you to know Ethos that faux fur. Harry Styles is not what yes. real fur. It's an ethos. It's a vibe. Ken in the Mojo Dojo Casa <laughs> house is not wearing real. Well, fur. this is it. This is how I really talked you back into it. I was like, like Ken in the we Barbie can talk movie. About Co. We can talk about Ken. Okay, but here's the deal. Here's what I want to talk about. I want it. I want to say. That this is also for all of you who have said over the years, please do a Vikings interstitial. Yes. Because while we absolutely could do a Vikings interstitial, <laughs> it really feels so incredibly niche. <laughs> like, like niche in a way that men and fur is not, which is strange. We needed a little bit of a bigger umbrella. Yeah. So we are, this is for you. We are, I, listen, I have had Jen. <laughs> I have had the greatest week. I've had a wonderful. I'm gonna. Week. I'm just gonna gloves off because I don't know if people follow me on Instagram, and so like it's time. I'm gonna say it. Everybody knows that my brother had cancer, and he passed away a few weeks ago, and so it hasn't been like the easiest few weeks for me, for lots of reasons. My family is, you know, there's a lot of fraught stuff happening, and like, it, which is because death is weird. Like it just yeah. is, and it's always weird. And if you're out there and you're dealing with death in your family like i'm here and i i see you i wish i wish i was able to like see you for real because it is hard to go through this that said <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry I left. The last week, please. It's so... I've made your life so wonderful because I was like, now is the time for the men and fur. Week, yeah. Jen was like, men and fur. And I was like, men and fur. And I have read <laughs> about 15 Viking romances yes. <laughs> in a week. And I'm not going to talk about most of them because many of these books are just... What even is going on in these books? But... I do have two on the list that are classics, I think, in the Viking genre. <laughs> and, um, and I'm really excited to get into them. But also, it was very fun going through my, like, head list of, like, all of the men in romance who do, in fact, wear fur. For sure. So, listen, here's the other thing I'll say is, like, everybody knows this thing I tell my students, right? Which is, like, animals are always symbols. And I was like, what is men in fur a symbol of? It's just, like, cozy and comfort. It's, like... Right. It's like you're going to definitely fuck on that thing. Right. I mean, it's just someone's going to wrap you up in it. Mm-hmm. It never for sure is like smelly or gross or anything else. It's just always perfect. Yes. <sighs> but also, can we talk about this? What I was looking for. <laughs> what? What I was looking for was like, where's so. Remember when we did the Nora Roberts episode where we did, what was it? Twin? No, Ice. Ice. Yeah, Twin of Baby. <laughs> a twin of Ice. Yeah. No, Twin of Ice is no. Devereaux, isn't it? Yes, whatever. I the Ice know. one. It's yes. The, it's the Ice one. We'll put it in show notes. But we did that episode and we called the, we named the episode <laughs> the one where the With hero The one smokes. where the hero smokes, yes. Because, like, that is so rare. You never see a smoking hero anymore. But where in the love swept era we need Steve Amidon to report in? Because where in that era are the men in fur coats? Because they had to exist. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, look, the return of like the Russian billionaire gives us fur coats and, and mm-hmm. like, because here's the thing. Okay. You have said this before. I don't know if you said it on the podcast or maybe it was Sophie that she was like, mafia romance is medieval romance. That's Sophie Jordan. Mafia romance is medieval romance. Yeah. And so I was like, of course, that's where the fur coats are, because I feel like you went to Vikings. But I was like, I went to, well, Ruby Dixon, of course. Yeah. At Julie Garwood. Right. And I so yeah. I was like, the medievals are really going to deliver me. Yeah. Right. Because. There are no space heaters. There's no HVACs. There's no polar fleece. There's no. just men and fur. Yeah. I mean, also, I we talk about it all the time, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But, like, Adriana Anders is white out. Like, I think he probably has, like, a fur-lined Be better. business happening in there. And why is that? Okay, so let's let's unpack it. Okay. Because we're not just allowed. One time I we're said not we just should drooling. do an episode on sex toys, <laughs> and Jem is like, what are we going to say about sex toys? So, I don't know. Report in if you <laughs> have a have an answer to that because i didn't other than they're great we should all have them but the okay it is because of all those things it is because you feel like a man in fur <laughs> what, okay it's confidence too like nobody just wears i mean this is why ken unironically <laughs> right this is why ken like when he puts on the fur coat like Something happens to him. Well, it's really interesting because I I have now watched this movie about 16 <laughs> times because my nine-year-old is fully obsessed, right? So it is always on. In fact, she is currently having a sleepover, and I'm pretty sure they are watching Barbie downstairs. But when they get to the real world in Barbie, the first man that Ken clocks, like truly clocks, is coming out of... of uh, of a of a high rise building, and he's wearing a white fur coat. Is he really? Yeah, he's wearing like the Mojo Dojo Casa House coat. <laughs> and wow. then, okay. so when they get back to yeah, um, Barbie Land, and he is dressed like the villain in Karate right. Kid, uh, he's wearing that same coat. And isn't there like a reference to like Sylvester Stallone and Rocky? Isn't that there too? Was that, did I, am I dreaming yeah, that? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it feels like the aesthetic there, the like Ken aesthetic. Listen, this is not sexy. No, I'm my it's not sexy here. on Ken, 
But Ken is also like... It's meant to look ridiculous on Ken because Ken's job is beach. Right. <laughs> right? Ken can't lifeguard. He can't save you. He did not, he did not like, you know, cut open and what are they called? At-ats in, right, in sure, uh, whatever. Star Wars when Luke like hides inside <laughs> the thing. You know. Right, exactly. Listen, these are deep cuts here. I'm, I've really been thinking a lot. I've been going through a thing, you guys. I've been thinking a lot about men and fur. But that's the whole thing. Yeah. You want somebody who can like slice open an animal. Sure. I apologize. Co- content, I don't, I don't, content warning for vegans and also like headphones in for children. <laughs> like you want somebody who can like open up an at at. Yeah. I'm going to just use this as my, as sure. my whole vibe. Okay. But it, this is a Star Wars reference, everyone. And Luke, I, and Luke, like it's cold They're on an ice planet and he like, is it Luke? Yeah. Somebody's yelling at the at their at their radio. They're right definitely now, but... right, and we're wrong, and it's okay. Yeah, good job, sorry. everybody. Good you job. All you know what the answer is. Um, but he, and he like climbs in there, and he like is in the like gross goo, but he is doing the business because he is skilled in a way that will keep you from dying in the wilderness. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about men in fur, which is women in fur, it's this luxury item. And it's often like highly associated. Yes. Right. Highly associated with, you know, like honestly terrible people, which I'm not arguing with, honestly. But exactly. But in these books, men in fur is like it is not that at all. Right. It's survival. Yes. Well, yes, because it's loincloths. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. right? This this world we live in is so harsh, and I will protect you. I'm embarrassed by how much I love it. Sorry. But don't discount confidence, right? Because also it's like, I'm not ashamed of showing you. Yeah. In medievals or, you know, Vikings, like what I look like underneath this. Mm. I am also not ashamed of like, my yeah my swagger when i am a grown man in contemporary united states or somewhere wearing fur as a fashion statement faux fur harry styles winston duke Ma- matthew modine the one i showed you the oh, other day yeah. matthew modine God, on the right. cover of like just wearing like full fur um God, Harry Styles. Jeff Goldblum in one of those Marvel movies is always wearing fur. Oh, you know who else in those Marvel movies? Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure Benicio Del Toro in Star Wars as, like, the collector guy is also <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's not. It's Marvel, not yes, Star Wars. Fine. I don't know anything. You, listen... You knew a man in a coat? You knew a man in a coat, though? <laughs> I knew. I think that might be leather, honestly, but... No, no, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and there's, like, definitely, like, a furry element to it. So many of these books, like, they're Vikings or they're medievals or, right? Like, these are really places where the setting is so prohibitive. This is not a place that is easy to survive. And so this men in fur is gonna, you know... Take care of you. Keep you warm. Exactly. Be your animal. I mean, in the sheets, too, everybody, just to be clear. I mean, obviously. Like, <laughs> these are rough and tumble men. These are yeah. men who don't have time for sewing. Like, <laughs> they, like, they, like, cut the, you know, they they skin the animal and just throw it on, wash it off in the river, and then throw it on. However that so, works. I don't know. I, tanning is how it works. And the only reason why I know that is because my child is now currently playing a lot of Oregon Trail. And so oh, I do know sure. about that. You're but learning. Listen, you can you can trade pelts for basically anything in that in that game. Sure. So, hey, uh, <laughs> listen, whatever needs to be done. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Avery Maxwell, author of Falling into Forever, A Small Town Second Chance Romance. 
Uh, this one is from my girls who love angst. Um, if you've read anything by Avery Maxwell, you know that she really loves this. Um, she loves an angsty emotional story, and this one really does the business. Uh, Sailor, our heroine, is a romance novelist who six years ago was wildly in love with a man named Dante, and they really felt like they were in it forever. Um, unfortunately, a lot of some, you know, she had a really tough time. She went through some stuff and she pushed him away and broke up with him, but never gave him the full story. However, this is sort of classic mm. romance setup. Of course. But even better, she is a romance novelist, which means that every time she writes a third act breakup, every time she writes an angsty moment, she is writing to Dante and telling him the truth about how she felt and what she done. That's hot. Now listen, he's read every one of her books for the last six years, and he has a point by point plan ready to deploy to win her back. And it just so happens she gives an interview where she is basically turned into romance villain. Does she need a romance hero to come save her? And he is right there, ready to fake date her, right back into readers' hearts and minds, and right back into where she belongs by his side. Amazing. You can check out Falling Into Forever with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. It is also available in print. Thank you to Avery Maxwell for sponsoring this week's episode. Let's get into it because obviously I know on both of our lists is a heart of blood and ashes. Obviously. I mean, right there on the cover. That cover. (laughs) I think it really did like re-spark my love of men and fur. I think so, too. And also, do you remember seeing that cover for the first time and just being like, oh, yes. yes. Like, yes. Yes. A thousand percent. God, so good. It's a look down, everybody. We're going to make sure it's there. It's (laughs) It's so hot. Okay. So we won't spend a lot of time on this book. We named this one of the best books of the year in 2020, I think, because it was a book that, like, transformed. So good. It reminded me of all the killer ways romance can be feminist. Yeah. The heroine at first glance seems, um, you know, really physically challenged. She has a disability Mm -hmm. from, you know, years of abuse um, at the hands of her family. She is missing fingers. She can't run. She and this is a cold, hard world where everyone has to fight to survive. Right. And simultaneously, the hero is like big and bad and perfect in every mm. way, right? Like a, a specimen of oh, know, yeah. virility. But this is a world where um, like th- it's a matriarchal world. Um, there is, it is, he is burdened with toxic masculinity and he has to un- learn it in yes. order to find happiness and peace and it probably has one of the best partnerships yes actually articulated work toward partnership of any romance i've read in recent memory yeah oh i would definitely agree like it's really brilliant and it is such a like fascinating and fun read you know what i mean so i think that that is also to me you know, like a book that just like constantly surprises you. Mm-hmm. So that is Millivane's A Heart of Blood and Ashes. We're not going to dig too deep into it, but we did do a full deep dive of it back in 2020. If you haven't read it, do yourself a favor. It is actually probably the perfect Thanksgiving weekend read. Like mm. just, you know, get into a tryptophan-induced coma and read this book for three days. So good. Okay, so I am going to talk about Ruby Dixon. I mean, maybe you are as well. Well, Might as well, right? I feel like those two. Yeah, they go hand in hand. And here's the thing. Obviously, Ice Planet Barbarians, they're living on an ice planet. There's fur, right? But I was kind of like, let me talk about maybe a lesser known of the Ruby Dixon properties, which is a book. um, There's a series called Aspect and Anchor. Have you heard of these books? No. I might have talked about book one a while ago um, because I was really taken with it. It's called Bound to the Battle God. And um, in this book, it was and I just thought it was like really 
fascinating because like ice planet barbarians is like it's right there in the title like you know exactly what you're gonna get right and every Mm -hmm. single one of those books delivers right like one of these humans hooking up one of these ice planet barbarians by the way they're not really barbarians they just want to love you and keep you warm and fuck you so aspect and anchor though you could tell was really like Ruby Dixon kind of like playing around with like a, a just like a cool idea. And that at that point, she probably had so much goodwill that she was like, yeah, I might as well just publish it and see what happens. And what happens is there's a, a human woman named Faith who like essentially like just gets, I mean, very similar to the beginning of Ice Planet Barbarians, kind of sucked out of her Earth home and ends up in this like auction, essentially, where she's bought by this very like gruff terrible like distant aloof god whose name is Aaron and what she kind of starts to discover is that there are and this is like the cool thing is like every god has four like aspects and they're arrogance hedonism lying and apathy and these are like the four like worst kind of qualities that a god could have right when you think mm-hmm. about it right apathy yeah, yeah. is human condition or arrogance or right just like pure hedonism and what happens is there's actually like four errands running around and one is just the pure essence of that aspect mm-hmm. and they essentially have to fight each other <laughs> and and then they like merge essentially right and so it turns mm-hmm. out that the reason her Aaron is so aloof and cold and distant is he's arrogance And so then what happens is, and I think it's like this really brilliant commentary actually on like, like essentially how difficult it is to get to know a person, especially a man, right? Yeah. So like once he defeats one of the other ones, like, right, I think he defeats hedonism. Then all of a sudden he's got this like party fever and she's like, what is happening? And so each one of the aspects has a human anchor that like essentially anchors them to humanity. And so that turns out like that it turns out is Faith's like role in his life. But of course, they like fall in love. But I just thought it was like it's long. It's It took me a while to get into like, listen, he's a god and they're like walking all over and there's lots of him and fur and then like laying on fur and like all this. You know, it's great. But I was just also really interested in this idea that like you can only know a, a certain part of a person, right? Mm-hmm. And that then, like, the idea that it actually was, like, these parts fighting each other for dominance and then, like, sort of absorbing that new quality so that by the end she could, like, sort of figure out, like, she has to be the winner or else she's going to die, too. Like, if, right, if her aspect gets taken by one of the other ones, then game over for her. So it's, like, really high stakes for her. And he's like, whatever, you're just a pesky human. It's great. And there's four of these books Um, But they're just, like, really very different. Like, if you are, like, like, the world building in Ice Planet Barbarians is very light, right? Like, it's just, like, okay, it's super cold. Now they've got the Kui. They're fine. There's caves. Wait. Right? Was it you who sent me that Ice Planet Barbarian tweet? (laughs) I don't know about worms. No, I don't know. (laughs) I gotta find it. It There was a great Ice Planet Barbarian tweet that was, like, worms? What are you people doing out here? You know? Yes. I know. Listen. But like, so it's also kind of interesting to see an author who has taken like really like the lightest touch sort of and worried about community building and character instead like come up with some a very complex sort of instead world about like these gods and their beautiful fur blankets and coats and. Right. I want to talk about fur as luxury because I want to talk about, like you said, like laying on fur, like, you know, wrapping yourself in fur. And there's this sort of physicality of fur. Right. But there is a certain like people don't wear fur in the dead of summer and they do like so there is this sort of sense of like in modern times, fur has some sort of different connotation. Right. I want to talk about the Black Dagger Brotherhood. (laughs) Of course. I knew it was coming always wanted to talk about my favorite book in the Black Dagger Brotherhood, which is Lover, Elena, and Revenge. Yes. 
uh, which for those of you who don't know is how we refer to all we refer to all Black Dagger Brotherhood books just as the names of the main characters. Because how could you possibly know? Right. Lover Avenged. Revenge, the hero of this book, is a sympath, which means he can read and manipulate the minds and emotions of the people around him. Right. Right. Um, also, like at some point during it, he becomes king of the sympath and can somehow like control spiders and scorpions. Sure. Like, obviously, like a side, a side gig. And he is always cold, like always cold. But he's also like incredibly ruthless, incredibly powerful. He's basically like he owns a club. He wears this, like, fur. He never goes anywhere without this, like, black sable floor-length fur coat <laughs> that keeps him, that both, like, keeps him warm and because he has no ability to, like, find, like, he, he cannot hold body heat. He's also, yeah. like, half, he is half vampire. Right. Um, But, like, he is drawn, he is crafted by J.R. Ward in this really interesting way. Like, he has... He has all the things the other ones do, like six foot ten and like, you know, shoulders, shit sides. kickers. Yes. Like <laughs> leathers. Tied like leather. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, Listen what a world. Jen's listened to every one of these audiobooks. Um, and he has like a cane with a sword inside it. Like he is rough and tumble, but also like very precise. Like he knows exactly what he looks like. He knows exactly how he walks through the world he knows what his job is he knows you know whatever and he of course will never love obviously um and so his heroine elena is like this slight like wallflowery like a classic wallflower vampire um who is like a nurse and like really kind and decent and good and this book has one of the hottest phone sex scenes I've ever read in my life in it. And also this like incredible third act, you know, moment, this like third act breakup moment where he is literally being tortured, like put through a true torture. And she has to like she has always had this immense spine and she has to go get him um, and save him. From, like, the, like, most terrible of terribles. You can read this book without... This is, like, the first of the Black Dagger Brotherhood books that moves outside of the original brothers. So you can read this book without reading any of the others. Like, I I think you can actually use it as an entry point to the whole series. Um, But that said, he... This fur is really interesting because it's... Whenever it's on page, it's on... She is... Elena, who is, you know, grew up... She is not vampire royalty. She does not have a lot of money. She is like a paid nurse. Like she is, you know, grew up like very like outside of wealth, outside of luxury, outside of power. She is so anytime that fur is on page, which is every time revenge is on page, she is so focused on it. Yeah. Like, why is it? Why? Like, what does he look like wearing it? He takes it off. She knows exactly where it is all the time, like in the room. It's really fascinating to me how J.R. Ward sort of uses the fur to to represent as a totem of power and privilege, but also as a constant reminder to the reader that revenge has this like massive flaw, which is he is he is like damn he cannot like feel he cannot ever be warm mm. i mean that's the stuff right there yeah i love it that's really good i love it amethyst colored eyes that is one of my favorites of that that whole series as well you know to the point where like i'd sort of like like petered out and kind of had stopped reading them and then like mm-hmm. was like right back in it when i read that one mm-hmm This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Melissa Diamond, author of Holiday Star, A Christmas Celebrity Romance. 
Everybody knows I love a celebrity romance. And the reason why I love a celebrity romance is because I love your celebrity and I'm just a normie. <laughs> is she normal, though? Is she? She's literally not. She is an extraordinarily competent ER doctor, but she's not a celebrity. And that is the key here. <laughs> so here's the deal. Dr. Gwen Wright has been asked to to house sit for her mother and her stepfather for the entire month of December. And she has a very precise life and a very precise plan for how she's going to live her life. And it does not include a random movie star just turning up for the month. Terrible. However, random movie stars do, in fact, turn up for months sometimes. (laughs) I'm told. And and Caleb Lawson, who is world famous and on the run from the paparazzi and a few secrets of his own, is there. He is the nephew to Gwen's stepfather. And so she's like, he's like, this is family. <laughs> I'm perfectly able to be in this house. I have my own rights to this yes. house. And she is like, squatter, get out. <laughs> Except... Oh, boy. He's not going anywhere. And then he's like a hot movie star in her house for the month of December, which is pretty magical. And there are lights and there's Christmas stuff and it's holidays. Jingle bells ringing. The jingle bells do ring. And um, what will happen after? Because he is a celebrity and she is just an ER doc, a highly competent norm. Listen, in order to find out everybody, you are going to fire up your subscription to Kindle Unlimited to read Holiday Star, which is also available in print. Thank you to Melissa Diamond for sponsoring this week's episode. It's interesting you say that, like sort of talk of luxury. So I'm going to talk about um, Captive of the Horde King by Zoe Draven, Hmm. which is... Say more. I... (laughs) You know, it's terrific. So it starts off with, okay, of course, I don't remember these characters' names at all. And it's like this really interesting, she's a human in a human settlement. Um, And what happens is, is like it starts off with um, her brother has set fire. Oh, her name's Luna. Her, Her Luna's brother has like set fire to the, like, X in a field. And the entire village like freaks out, like, oh my God. The Dakari are going to be coming. And I've got to tell you, this came out in 2019. I don't know for sure that this has anything to do with, like, Game of Thrones. But this man, like, the it just definitely gives off vibes of um, the first season of Game of Thrones where uh, Jason Momoa played, like, this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, whoever he was. Like, whatever that vibe is, is this guy's vibe. Like, they're literally <laughs> the Dakari, the Dakari uh, uh-huh. horde. The, and so they're all freaking out and they're trying to put out this fire. And then, like, the, the horde comes and they have a horde king. And basically, this Luna essentially is like, just take me instead of my brother. They've broken the law. The Dakaris, like, kind of run this planet. And if you break their laws, you are just in huge trouble. And basically, like, this human settlement is, like, near starvation. And her brother had sort of heard that if, like, you can burn a field, and he was just trying to try it in a little bit, that, like, maybe you could get the crops to grow, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. really... And so she's taken by this horde king, and he, you know, they speak a common language, and, you know, they make her take a bath, and he wants her to eat. And she's like, I'll only eat what the people in my village get. You know, mm-hmm. and he's got all these like furs, but she can still see his whole beautiful body and his gold tattoos and his very large cock, of course. Obviously. And right. And so but he like, you know, puts her on his horse that's not a horse. And, it, you know, she's like so banged up from like riding it that he's like, well, I can't have sex with you tonight. You're too sore. But you're going to not just be my, you know, because she's like, I said I would do whatever if you saved my brother's life. So I guess I'm your whore. And he's like, you're not going to be my whore. You're going to be my queen. Mm. Right? So, and then, of course, like, you know, I was like, I don't really understand why he is running around in these, like, glorious furs. But she is always, like, they're dressing her in, like, the skimpiest costumes. Fine. So, anyway, she (laughs) is, you know. It's Princess Leia. That's why. Exactly. So it's, it, you know what, it's funny. This is like one of those books, like when we finally decided to do Men and Fur, I was like, I'm going to read one of these Zoe Draven books. People are always telling me how good they are. 
And it's really good because it's um, she's a fish out of water, right? And so she's yep. trying to figure out the rules of this society that she's now a part of. At the same time, she has always operated under the thought that they knew that they were starving. And they knew, you know, and she understands, like, they just did have no idea about each other's culture. And mm-hmm. so the whole thing is also her, um, like, trying to figure out the rules and, you know, trying to like make him understand her point of view and her trying to understand his point of view. And, you know, he takes off her furs and she has to give him a bath and he gives her a bath and then their fur towels. I just felt like sure. the, the and, fur but, towels. That yeah. doesn't seem like that would be a useful towel. Well, I'm just saying it is. And the luxury of all this is <laughs> it what is. It is. is. You are wrong. <laughs> the luxury of it, though, is that she has had like you know what i mean like the she's like so outraged that they're feeding fresh meat to like these horse things mm. where like she in her life has never had fresh meat right so it's like mm. really this really interesting um, right for as as representative of an yes. lifestyle that you have never had exactly Mm, that's really interesting it's great and there's apparently a whole series of them and you know what i'm going to keep reading them i bet cuz it's delightful <laughs> so that was Captive of the Horde King, the first in the Horde Kings of Dakar series. Yeah. Of which there are at least eight. And I feel hashtag blessed by them. So listen, to your point about um, just sticking with luxury for a second, to your point about the Russian mm. mafia books, mm-hmm. right? I, of course, went back to Cressley yeah. just to sort of see. Do a little keyword search. On- on fur there. So in the professional, Alex gives the heroine, whose name I've now forgotten, um, a a fur coat. And she says, I don't do fur. So this is one of those things where, mm. like, now for the sort of awareness of yeah. like, fur not being accessible yeah, as a right. fabric to a modern reader, which not, not financially accessible. Uh, accessible although that too like ethically like actually like ethically accessible which i fully agree with i also don't do for her um but he says and she gets around it in that classic cressley way because she doesn't fucking care she's like listen fur means money and my heroines love money like mm-hmm. my my books are about i mean cressley's books are about excess right like they are about the fantasy of excess right. um and she says i don't do fur and his response is in russia you do Mm-mm. and not like in a yakov smirnoff way yeah like in a, right yeah in a real way and so there's like uh and that's you know that's he's tough. just like he's like it's cold and we wear fur right because it's practical <laughs> it's sure. not a luxury it's practical and so that's where i want to go from here to fur as practicality okay i'm ready we're gonna have it's time for vikings jen I've Wait. done a lot of work. Okay. You're going to have a whole Viking thing. Oh, okay. Oh, you're going to do, do another it. thing. I just want to talk very briefly about Julie Garwood. Oh, the medieval. The, the medieval. The Middle Ages. Or the Middle Ages. There. Just like they would like take them, these in many of the books, take them from their little English homes to the highlands where, you know, there were no windows. There were like had to be furs on the windows and. You know, like furs you would like wrap up in when you snuggled on the cold, hard ground of the highlands. And I was really like, oh, I think some of my fur fetish men in fur came from Julie Garwood. Like a kilt. I mean, like a plaid. Yeah, like a plaid. But like if you're really cold. I mean, wool is basically fur. Yeah. Of a sheep. Yeah. I mean, it's less like pelty and... It's less, um, hmm, well, it's less raw. Yeah, exactly. Like, it has to be, you have to, it has to be processed. Plus, shearing a sheep is not the same. I mean, West Ravenel can do it. Anybody can, right? But you have to, like, hard, I mean, it, by the way, everybody, if you've ever, if you've never seen how wool is made, it is actually really fascinating. Like, you have to card it. Which is yeah. like this. It's like, not easy. You have to like essentially like that gets all the fibers going in the same direction. Yep. And then you can weave it. It's I I it's very cool. Yes. 
Correct. Also, I just want to say something. I learned something interesting about alpacas recently. Okay. Because you can also make wool. There's like a whole alpaca wool thing. Um, you alpacas only you they only give you one shear a year. Really. You can huh. continually shear sheep, or at least there's like a sheep right. shearing season. Yeah. But alpacas only shear once a year. Who oh, no. knew? That's a fun fact about alpacas I learned. See, we're not just silly. We're not just, we are giving you information here on this podcast. We're pretty silly, everybody. <laughs> just think Winston Duke. Oh, God. That's not silly at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Sorry. It's time for Vikings. All right. It's time for Vikings. My bot. I don't know, Sarah. I don't really know that I have any Vikings. This is just well, the sh- from you. I- will after this. I'm ready. So I have a classic, and I have a, like a not so classic. But I'm going to give you. But there is one person when you talk about Vikings in the world, and if you're talking about Vikings and you have not said the word Sandra Hill, you are doing it wrong. Sandra Hill is the Viking writer. <laughs> like she has written Vikings. Forever, she continues to write Vikings in the 21st century, which is God bless. shocking. <laughs> and, and listen, and I love it because Vikings are really having a renaissance right now, I think, in the world because we have realized a lot of things about Vikings. Like, Goner's the whole, the whole like, Brunhilde, like, opera shit with the horns on the helmets. That never, that doesn't work anymore. No, we they did not have horns on their helmets. Vikings were like, incredible seafarers they were they had a culture that was like extremely full like had a lot of equity in it i mean they like many other old cultures had like in enslavement as part of it right they enslaved like saxons and normans and and others and picts but the um but gender equity was like intense in viking in like Viking worlds. Uh, and so there's just like a lot of like new and then the, and they it recently came to light that they bathe like daily, right? So what better a ba- uh, an, a historical character who bathes daily and it's historically accurate? Sign I love it. Sign me up. Anyway, so Vikings are really interesting. What I want to talk about um, Sandra. So Sandra Hill, like I said, she has like, a large, large, long, long-standing series about Vikings. But I want to talk about the second from that series, which is called The Outlaw Viking. Um, because for for two reasons. First of all, this is a time travel book. Oh, yeah. Nice. And both yes. my Viking books are time travel books. Because if you're gonna do it, you should just go all in. <laughs> And we've never done time travel either, so here we are. I feel like time travel's coming back. Time slipped for sure. Yeah. Well, there's this new Ashley Poston book, The Seven Year Slip, which has such a cute idea. I haven't read it yet. The upcoming Tia Williams seems to have some. Is time well? Tia loves time. Yeah, it's time like playing with time. Anyway, listen. Time travel had its had its day, um, but Sandra Hill. Does not accept rules. This is <laughs> Let me tell you about this. Okay. okay. So our heroine, Rain, is in... <laughs> it begins... And I'm so... Other, this also has, has a little place in my heart because when I graduated college, my mom took me on this, like, really lovely... My mom's English, and she took me on this really lovely trip all around the island of Great Britain. And it was, you know, it was amazing. We, we did every... We went everywhere. And we went to York... And I don't know if you know this about me, but I took three years of Icelandic in college. Really? Have you heard about that ice? What's going on in Iceland right now? Wait, horrifying. Yes, horrifying. So okay, safe, safe, everybody. Everybody, if there are any Icelanders in our midst, we hope you're being safe. Um, but yeah, the the volcan the volcanic shit that's going on there is scary. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I took three years of Iceland Icelandic in college. Because I wanted to stick it to my dad. My dad was Italian. He wanted me to take Italian and learn how to, you know, actually <laughs> be able to conjugate a verb outside of conversation. But no, I do fine yeah. <laughs> in conversation. So why? Um, and to stick it to him, I was like, no, I'm going to take Icelandic instead, which was super useful, as you can imagine. I mean, a daily use of that here uh, in the United States. Anyway, point is, after I graduated college, I was like, I want to go to York. Because York is 
uh, the place where they have unearthed one of the oldest Viking, um, like Viking sites in the world. And it's full of scientists who are interested scientists and, and historians who are interested in Viking culture. And they have what is the like preeminent Viking museum in the world there. It's called the Jorvik Viking Center. And it's a, it's like Disney World for history nerds <laughs> because you get in a little cart at the beginning of the thing and then the cart takes you all around through an animatronic uh, creation, like recreation of an old Viking on top. Like Amazing. Camp. Like a Viking village or whatever. Jen, they <laughs> pipe in the smell of the Viking camp because they unearthed like, huh, Parts where they could find like old, they found old food and old, they knew what they ate and like how they lived. So it smells like old Jorvik. Like, That's wild. It's, listen, if you have nothing to do in York, <laughs> you <laughs> just have to find yourself in York. Do not miss the Viking Museum. There is, there used to be a standing exhibition called Skull Crusher and it had, sure. I mean, like, I'm a real nerd. Now we're really <laughs> down the rabbit hole here. There used to be this standing exhibition called Skull Crusher, and they had unearthed, like, all these obviously, like, buried bodies, bodies that had been, um, you know, through the funeral process. And they w- they recreated, like, how the bodies had died. And, like, this is a brutal world. Yeah, of like, course. They died in many ways. In many cases, they died having been, like, having their skulls crushed. Anyway, all of this is to say that I'm I'm very into, like, Viking shit. <laughs> and the first <laughs> chapter of this book won me over because the heroine and her mother are in a little cart at the Jorvik. Viking oh my gosh, Center. amazing. And they're going through the thing and they're smelling the camp. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, Sandra Hill really like delivering for a very particular audience. Although, but it's not just history because like halfway through the first chapter, the mom says, well, that man there looks like your father. And the heroine thinks to herself, wait a second. My She like kind of rolls her eyes internally and is like, my mom has told this story her whole life that she time traveled back in time to Jorvik where she like fucked a Viking, <laughs> got here pregnant I am. with me. And then when I was eight years old, he died and then, or like four years old or some, some number of years old, he died. And then she was immediately catapulted into the future to present day where she then met his ancestor who looks just like him. My like stepfather, maybe? Sure. Or whatever. <laughs> but like, she's like, but nobody believes this. Like, my mom is cuckoo, but also like. Not I'd like it's so it's just like written as though this is like completely normal, completely normal. Sure. <laughs> and so then they go past this like painting of one of the most famous Viking battles. And there's like this beautiful blonde, like stunning Viking in the middle of it, like just looking like he's the fucking baller. And she recognizes him from a dream she always has. What a trope. And then the mom is like, oh, that's Selick, your father's friend. Daddy. Then later, <laughs> wait, later, she gets clocked in the head with like falling concrete outside or something, passes out, and is immediately transported to the middle of a Viking battle. This is chapter two. <laughs> Here we are. Listen, I'm in. I'm so in. What is so the name Selig, of this book again? The Outlaw Viking. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. I don't know how so, I forgot that. <laughs> Selick is there, like, at one of the most famous battles in Viking history, in, in York's history. He And she's suddenly there, too. Oh, helps to know she's actually a doctor in real life. Amazing. So she shows up. She's got, like, a couple bottles of Tylenol in her bag. <laughs> like, uh, miracle drugs. The ability to suture. Everybody thinks she's a witch. Knowledge but of germ theory. Yeah. She, like, goes through it. She's like, fuck you for taking, sl-. like, because... And, you know, like, 
if you take a village, right, if you Viking a village, (laughs) you kill a bunch of men and then you take a bunch of slaves, right? You like enslave all of the people that you have that have lived in this village. And she's like, slavery is bad. Like there's she like gives him all of (laughs) there's a lot of didactic shit, right? Where she's like modern cultures, this this Viking and they fall in love. And he is like, he's a widower. He can't love again he won't ever touch another woman because he like you know feels so broken about you know the way he husbanded this first woman i mean it has all of it and he wears fur amazing amazing so that's the outlaw viking that's like chapters one through three you're gonna enjoy it you could skip all the bits where they're in the cart at the Jorvik Viking Center in Chapter 1 and still have a great time. But if you read that stuff, it's interesting and real. This week's episode of Fade and Mates is sponsored by Avon Books, publishers of Tessa Bailey's Wreck the Halls, a holiday romance. Um, Melody Gellard and Beat Dawkins have a very strange relationship. Their names have been together for their entire lives because their moms were part of a 90s super group called Steel Birds that when these two women were pregnant with these right main characters, they had a huge falling out that was just like everybody was like, what happened? So here it is now. Beat and Melody are grownups and they are teaming together to essentially do a live stream to convince their mothers to reunite at like you know new york city christmas eve nice shenanigans to lovers <laughs> exactly and the entire world becomes obsessed with beat and melody because everyone can see on this live stream that their chemistry is off the hook so they have to figure out like who they are their mother's famous legacy and also basically battle brawling santas mobs of adoring fans and getting out of their comfort zone to make beat and melody more than just i mean really perfect with names like that faded mates well, you can read Wreck the Halls right now in print, ebook, or audiobook, and visit TessaBailey.com to learn more about Tessa's books. Thanks so much to Avon Books for sponsoring this week's episode. All right, well, I'm going to talk about the classic because I actually think there is a reason why most Viking historicals are time travel. Oh. And is it- I think it's because of Until Forever, which is Joanna Lindsay. Yes. I've definitely read this. The heroine, oh, you have. The heroine (laughs) is an academic who's like super into swords. (laughs) And she has, she finds this like old thousand year old Scandinavian sword. And she is so incredibly proud of it. And she takes it in hand. She opens it up. Chapter one opens it up. Reaches down, lifts it up, this, like, big fucking broadsword. Yeah. And suddenly, in front of her, naked as the day he's born, is Thorn, who has been bewitched, or not bewitched, he's been, like, cursed. He is to be forever captive by the owner of this sword. So he turns up in, like, her, you know, classroom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's great. He is captive, and the curse requires that he is sworn to satisfy her every desire. Joanna Lindsay knew the job. No notes, right? So she is like okay, this is crazy. She has to hide him. She has to do a little bit of that like fun stuff that's in time travel where she's like, don't say this to this person and you don't know how TV works (laughs) and all that stuff, which I actually am kind of a sucker for. Oh, yeah. Um, And then they then they go back. They got so it's like the they're here. They're modern day for a little while. And then they go back because she has to work for her. Sure. Um. And they get back there and then she realizes the only way that like she can release him from this endless like forever curse is to set him free. Um, But then he will die in Viking times and they will never be together. (gasps) What will happen? Uh, 
good things. <laughs> this is okay. I remembered my Viking. Okay, this is. Everybody. I want to. Oh, but I should qualify. Listen, what I want to say about all these Viking books is like, sure, they're Vikings. <sighs> like, just you guys, when men are wearing fur, I can't promise you it's gonna be. Yeah, no content super, warnings, please. Like, That's all bad. Yeah, super great. <laughs> I mean, it'll be great, but it won't be like, you know, great, great. Um, Okay, I'm going to wrap up by telling you something really funny, and then I will send you a link to this. So I have a real, like, love-hate relationship with short stories. I don't know. Maybe everybody does. Where I'll Mm -hmm. sort of be like, I don't want to read them. And then you read one that's so great, and you're like, why don't I read more short stories? And one of my favorite short stories is called Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned by an author named Wells Tower. And I'm reading, I'm trying, I was trying to look for like a link to it so I could just send it to you because it's, you know, probably from 15 years ago. And um, it's in Lit Hub and the person talking about it says it's like office space with Vikings, mm-hmm. which is like exactly what it is. So it's like they're Vikings, but the way that they're talking about like kind of the world is very much like with that like kind of modern ennui. Right. Mm -hmm. So it actually has the beginning of the story here. Right. Just as we are all getting back into the mainland domestic groove, somebody started in with dragons and crop lights (laughs) from across the North Sea. We all knew who it was. A turncoat turncoat Norwegian monk named Nodded had been big medicine on the dragon and blight circuit for the last decade or so and was known to bring heavy ordinance for whoever could lay out some silver. Like, and it just tells like the whole story of like being a Viking, but in this like very like Mm -hmm. modern, like, oh God, what about the kids? Um, And it's great. It is a great story. It's a great short story. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the other fun thing about, I don't know, like all of these books, like Men and Fur, of course, is like, what, I don't know, like just putting a modern lens on a time mm-hmm. that is so, yeah. so old. Yes. Right. Like we have no way of even thinking Whoa. about what life would have been like. Yeah. Right. Well, what we haven't really talked about, the one piece of like the men and fur thing that we haven't talked about, but it is really present in places like Ruby Dixon, right, is the himbo aspect of it all. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, right. Like, we're fully capable. These men are, like, obviously capable of doing all sorts of things that, like, we are not capable of doing in modern world. Um, in fact, like, we're sort of useless. But, like, the appeal of these time travel books is when they are in the present day... These are dummies like who need help, which I'm not saying we enjoy helping dummies. I'm saying (laughs) there is something sort of comforting about seeing these like deeply competent men need the assistance of like a brain, somebody with a brain in their head. It's good times. Men and fur. Anyway, you all sometimes we're just silly and we would remind you that romance is so great. Gosh, (laughs) If there is a theme that you have been considering <laughs> similar to men and fur. Yeah. It's like microtropes, right? I mean, I think that's like the thing. It's like I feel like that's what we're digging into now. Yeah. Right? Like we want to we want to help you. We want to help you find those things, so please let us know. Yeah. Like I just came across another one that's going to go on the best of and I'd sort of forgotten how much I loved it until I came across it and I was like when like someone knows the language everybody's speaking but nobody knows it. So they can hear everything. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, give this to me. Right in my veins. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right? I do love that. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things where you're like, sometimes like the littlest things just bring me so much joy. Well, I sure am excited. I hope that you all go out and read all these weird books. I'm going to go read about this. Uh, I'm going to go read some more of these Horde Kings. Number three is called The Madness of the Horde King. And I was immediately like, well, I got to skip number two and get to that guy. (laughs) Well, you that's your like kink. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks he's like completely unhinged. And, you know, it's like what was raised by wolves. Yes. Raised by wolves. There it is. Yes. Tarzan, the original man for. Oh, gosh. So racist, everybody. But oh i know but or like but i was thinking instead of like uh who's our conrad roth right like just like 
just like not really fit My for society. Conrad. I know. I, I actually so did much. a keyword search. I was like, is there a mention of fur in this book? There must be. There is not. In Conrad's book? Yeah, there's not. Oh, no. You know where there's a lot of fur? Leather. Probably a lot of leather. Yeah. There's a lot of in Dreams of a Dark Warrior, which makes sense because it takes place over so much time. That's Declan Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Berserkers kind of go hand in hand Hand. with. Same thing. Listen, don't start with Declan Chase, everybody. That really, you have to lead in because, oof. I don't even know if I've ever reread that one, to be honest. Well, didn't you reread it for the podcast? Yeah, I mean, that's it. I read it and reread it once, and I don't think I've ever read it again. Meanwhile, yeah. Lothair, a million times. Conrad Rossi. See, it's interesting because all of those dudes I think of in, like, leather dusters. Yeah. Like, I, I don't ever think of Lothair without a leather duster on, like, even when he's fucking Ellie. You know what, he's though? Leather duster. He is Russian, so I bet there's some furs in Lothair. Probably. It's, there's a yeah. past, too, right? Right. Well, that forest is very cold. Anyway, everyone, tell us about your favorite men in fur. Um, Also, if you haven't watched the um, the trailer for The Beekeeper, (laughs) because Jen and I are very excited about it. Listen, simple woman, simple woman, Statham. Handsome Uh, men blow things up. Just taking names. Right there in, I mean, destroying people for fishing old ladies. Fishing with a PH. (laughs) I mean, every time, the next time, what you're going to do is you're going to watch, go watch the preview for the the beekeeper. And the next time somebody like just cold calls you from some like, you know, like whatever business, like fake business spam calls you. There's a word for this that I'm currently not able to think of. Fishing? Spam? No. No, like the like, actual phone calls. Oh, yeah. Like the do not call list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Calls. Right. The next time you get one of those, you're going to be like, Jason Statham had it right. <laughs> anyway, that comes out in... When does that come out? January. January. Can't wait. Definitely flying immediately to Chicago to watch it. <laughs> so... All right, everybody. Well, you'll need a fur in Chicago in January, potentially. So Um, we hope that you are spending your time with somebody in fur. Man or or anybody. Or a pet. Or a pet. Or a werewolf. Maybe that's part of the appeal of werewolves. I mean, I think it must be, right? Sure. Pelty bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Anyway, here we are. We're, We're just finding all the ways that all of romance connects to men in fur. Um, but we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it is November. We hope you are being warm. And uh, we will see you next week with our Thanksgiving episode, which is a read-along yes. of Roan Parish's Rend. Yes. Uh, find links in show notes, and we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving to all those who celebrate.